Welcome to the Vintage Grace Sunday Podcast. We hope our series on the book of Revelation will challenge and encourage you to grow closer to God and recognize that He wins. Let this message be a reminder to you of His love for you and the plan that He has for your life. It has been great going through Revelation, diving in uh, to what God's Word has just continually saying to us. We're going to be in another letter of Revelation this morning. And does anyone else have a listening problem here in this room? Anybody else? Okay, yeah, some of you are like nudging the person next to you. Raise your hand. I don't know about you, but I have a listening problem. Um, This is especially true when it comes to uh, parenting and the way that my wife always seems to be more right than I am all the time. And I try to be right in our marriage and in parenting, and it's just not true. And one one of the ways that this especially plays itself out is whenever we're parenting and taking our boys on kind of trips or adventures, my wife is way more prepared than I am, okay? She's always telling me, David, just be a little bit more prepared and things will work out a lot better. Um, these are our boys. Jackson is four and Xander is two years old. And uh, a couple months ago, I decided, you know what, spur of the moment, I'm gonna take the boys on an adventure and we're gonna go down to San Francisco. And for me, that usually means I just give them like ice cream and chicken nuggets and say, get in the car, guys, let's go. We'll figure it out. So we're driving down to San Francisco and I'm starting to think about, okay, what, what did I bring with me? Did, did I bring a diaper bag? Oh, no, I didn't bring that. Left that at home. Okay, did I bring a, chair, a change of clothes? We're going to the beach. No, I didn't bring that. Okay, um, okay, we'll just figure this out. We'll, this will all just work out. So we go down to San Francisco. We go to a beach that's right by the Golden Gate Bridge. It's kind of their favorite spot. And about halfway through, Xander just kind of falls into the water, right? So I'm like, oh no, like, okay, no pants. We're good. So we just take the pants off and we're still having a good time. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, it's, it's getting later in the afternoon. What are we, what are we going to do for dinner here? And, uh, I'm like, okay, my boys love mac and cheese. So I'm like looking around on like Google Maps. I like find this like hipster mac and cheese spot, like downtown San Francisco. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. Boys are going to love it. I like order some like lobster mac and cheese. I like call my wife up. I'm like, it's going great. Like Xander doesn't have any pants, but don't worry about it. Like I ordered them some mac and cheese and she's like, babe, the boys only like craft mac and cheese. That is it. They're four and two. They won't eat anything else. And I'm like, no, they'll love it. They get, we get there. Nobody ate any mac and cheese. They're hungry. It's, it's like 7 p.m. at night. And uh, there's Xander, no pants on, no shoes. I don't know where the shoes went. So I like send her this picture. She's like, where's Xander's shoes? Like, what's going on? I'm like, okay, well, this, we'll, we'll figure it out. I like, buy them some peanut butter at like a Walgreens and just kind of hand it to them, like scoop it out, guys. That's dinner for the night. See, I have a listening problem and my wife is always telling me, David, be a little bit more prepared and things will go a lot better. And see, that is what revelation is all about. It's just this word to us from Jesus to be prepared to live in the reality of the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom that is here and the reality of the kingdom that is going to continue to come in our lives to its fullness. And so Revelation is just this letter, this gift to us to say, be prepared, live in the reality, listen to these words. And Jesus is going to tell the church of Thyatira this morning, just to listen, to be prepared. And this is my big idea for us this morning that we're gonna be in in Revelation 2. It says, Jesus invites the church of Thyatira into the joy of repentance from idolatry so that they may receive the depths of God's grace and walk in a life of faithfulness, which is a life of victory. In the reality that Christ has won on the cross, he is winning now and will win 
for all of eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are with us, God. Thank you, Jesus, that this morning you sit on the throne, 1045 service at VG, El Dorado Hills, that Jesus, you are the king, that you rule, that you reign. And so this morning, God, may we just enter more deeply into that reality, into the reality that you are the king who sits on the throne together, God. And then may that just change every single aspect about our lives. And that change everything about the way that we live because you were on the, the, the throne, because of what you did on the cross. Because Jesus, truly, you have won. You are winning now that you will win for all of eternity. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are speaking to us and doing in our lives. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we jump in. Revelation 2, open up your Bibles. It'll also be on the side screens. Revelation 2, this is a letter to the church of Thyatira that Jesus is writing. And he says, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the words of the son of God. This is the only place in the seven letters where Jesus is called the son of God. It's emphasizing that he is divine, that he rules, that he reigns, that Caesar isn't God. Jesus is God who has eyes like a flame of fire. I love that description that goes back to Daniel 7. Jesus is coming in a little hot this morning to Thyatira, okay? He's got eyes like a flame of fire whose feet are like burnished bronze. It's emphasizing the strength of Jesus that he comes. So this is the picture that John teases up with. He says, Jesus, the son of God, Caesar isn't king. Caesar isn't God. That's what would have been on their coins that Caesar was Lord. No, Jesus is God. Eyes like a flame of fire, feet like a burnished bronze. He says, I know your works and your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Jesus starts with this encouragement to them. He starts with this encouragement and says, you've been growing in your walk with God. You've been growing in your relationship with him. You're maturing. Your latter works are better than before. Be encouraged. (laughs) You've been doing better. Jesus is working. He is working more and more in you. And so he comes in with this encouragement to, to them. The church of Thyatira would have been this smaller community kind of on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. And lots of people were moving there, excited about the possibilities of life in Thyatira, a very economically driven city. There would have been these trading guilds there where people would have been doing a lot of uh, commercial trade and basically just this economic hub that was in Thyatira. And Jesus says to this church, I know your deeds, I know your works, and you're growing. I know that you moved to Thyatira from San Francisco and you're growing and walking with me. It would have been a place a lot like a city like ours these new communities that were growing and building up. And so Jesus comes and he says, this is the way that I see that God's working in your life. This is the way that you're growing, but hold on. That's the grace part. Here's also the truth part. Jesus walks in grace and truth with us always in our lives, which is a gift from him, a gift from him that he's always walking in grace and truth, John 1, 14 with us. And he says, so this is where God's working. This is where I see you growing, but I have this against you. This is the truth part from Christ to this church that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Jezebel would have been this reference back to 1 Kings 16, where a false prophet Jezebel basically led Israel astray to offer sacrifices to a false God. And so Jezebel here is this metaphor for the, for the church of Thyatira, saying some of you are walking in the way of Jezebel. Some of you are tolerating her practices. She's a false prophet. This was maybe somebody in their community that was teaching and seducing the church to practice sexual immorality 
and eat food sacrificed to idols in the church of Thyatira because it was kind of this economic hub. There was likely this teaching going on saying that you could be a follower of Jesus, but that you also could walk in sexual immorality and that those were not in compromise with one another. That you could serve the emperor of the Roman world, that you could serve the God of commerce and economic gain and follow Jesus and those wouldn't be in compromise because what would happen in the first century is that often in order to complete like a business transaction, there would have been some sort of sexual act that would have gone along with it and they would have had a meal eating food that would have been offered as allegiance to a false God, allegiance to a false idol. And there was someone in the church likely teaching people that no, you can do this. You can have it both ways. You can follow Jesus and you can follow through with these business transactions, the sexual immorality, eat this food sacrifice to idols. And Jesus is saying that you can't have it both ways here. Something is going to sit on the throne of your heart. You can only have allegiance to one. And the early church, they would have been faced with this question. Would they follow Jesus or would they face possible economic hardship, social isolation because of their allegiance to Christ. And Jesus said to the church of Thyatira, I have this against you. You're being led astray by this false prophet. You're being led astray by someone who is teaching you that you can have it both ways. And Jesus now tells this church of Thyatira, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. And behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works. Jesus began with words of encouragement, but now he's telling the church of Thyatira, you can't have it both ways. I saw this sign at the gym the other day that said, you can have it all in your life. And I was like, man, that is just a straight lie. Is that, that, is that not the world, the, the word that the world is telling us all the time? Though You can have it all. You can do it all. And Jesus is saying, church of Thyatira, something is going to sit on the throne of your heart. You can't have it all. You can't do it all. Your allegiance will only be towards one thing. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes there's these idol, idols and this idolatry that my heart is so tempted to be drawn into. See, an idol in your life is just any voice in your head that's telling you that maybe you should follow that thing instead of follow Christ. Maybe you should make decisions based around that thing rather than following Christ. There's voices that we're hit with all the time in our lives. So many messages telling us, don't make decisions based off of what Christ is calling you to. Make decisions based off of what you want. How can you have it all? How can you do it all in your lifetime? And I don't know about what it is for you. For me, I know it's money and it's a bigger house and it's a better life and it's a better car and it's better vacations and it's things that are speaking voices to me saying, David, make your decisions based about this in your life, not based about the kingdom who is the king and devotion to Christ. And that's just what an idol is in our life. When we start listening to that voice rather than the voice of Christ. And Jesus is telling us only one thing will have your allegiance. Only one thing can sit on the throne of your life. What is the voice that you are going to listen to this morning? And I like to try and compromise. I like to try and have it both ways. I think often that I can get away from with that. And Jesus is saying, no, only one thing can sit on the throne of your life, your heart. Only one thing can be God over your life. And he's telling the church of Thyatira, reject idols, reject the lie. Worship me as the king, the only true king. And so now Jesus, 
He tells them that he's giving them time to repent here in verse 21. Out of his love for them, he says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. See, this is where Jesus comes in hot to the church of Thyatira. He comes in hot, hot and he comes in with this strong word because he says, look, there can be no negotiation here. There can be no compromise between what is on the throne of your heart. And I don't know about you, but I love trying to fight for space on the throne of my heart. I feel like we're wired this way. I see this in my boys. It's like they came out of the womb at the negotiating table. Anybody else have kids like this? I'll tell Jackson, Jackson, no more cookies. And he's like, three more cookies, dad. I'm like, did you just not hear what I said? Jackson, no more cookies. Two and a half cookies. Jackson, no more cookies. How about some animal crackers, right? Like that somehow like blends the lines. So it's like our hearts are just prone to this. And see, it's really about control in our lives. I think that these idols will get me what I want because I don't truly believe that Jesus better is better. Because if I truly believe that Jesus better is better, I'm willing to surrender. Because I realized that Jesus isn't just trying to withhold cookies from me. He's trying to keep me from the tummy ache. He's trying to keep me from being sick. He's trying to keep me from something that's not ultimately going to be good for me. And if I truly believe that Jesus has my best in mind, that he's like a loving father, that he's kind to us, that his better truly is better, suddenly I'm willing to surrender. Suddenly I'm willing to repent, willing to release control of these things that I'm trying to grab onto. And so today there's going to be these voices that's been happening to you all this week that Satan's been trying to tell you of ways to compromise in your walk with Christ. Other voices to listen to besides Christ's voice. Other things to give up parts of the throne of your heart to besides him and Jesus is saying, Thyre's higher, you've been growing, you've been maturing. I love seeing this happening in your life. This is where it's going well, but I have this against you. You've been compromising. And now Jesus gives them time to repent and he comes in really strong. Look at this language. He says, I will throw her on a sick bed, sick bed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation. Tribulation, not just brought upon us by the world, but brought upon us by our sin. Sin that's going, going to lead us in this tribulation. And here's the thing is, it's one thing for me to be talking with Jackson about how many cookies he's going to eat. But when Xander tries to run out onto the road, my words are going to be so much stronger to him. Why? It's not because I don't like him. It's not because I don't love him. It's not because I just want him to be a good person. It's because I love him. And I'm saying, Xander, there's danger out on that road. Step back from that road. Step back from that road. And if he continues to try and run onto that road, he's going to time out for a week, all right? I'm gonna do something to pull him back, to teach him. And so there's consequences here. That Jesus is telling the church of Thyatira, he's saying there's gonna be pain, there's gonna be tribulation, there's gonna ultimately be this final judgment. So repent while you have time. He says, I will strike her children dead, anyone that associates with Jezebel and all the churches will know that I am he. See, why does Jesus treat us in this way? Why does he give them consequences? It's because oftentimes we're saying, Jesus, it's just a couple more cookies. What's the big deal? And Jesus is saying, no, there's a road that you're trying to run out on and it will lead you to death. The wages of sin is death. It always is. Our sin always leads us to death. It always leads us away from God and far from him. And he's trying to keep us and stop us from running out on that road. And he's saying, look, I'm doing this. 
I'll throw you on a sick bed. I'll strike your children dead. He's saying there will be consequences so that everyone will know that I am he. Notice the John callback here in Revelation 2. I am who I am, that Jesus, the son of God, not Caesar, that Jesus is the son of God. He is the only true God. He is the great I am. He is the one that I am, the one who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. He's saying, I'm the one that searches minds and hearts. I am the king. I am God. Follow me while you still have time. Repent, turn from your sin. Walk in me while there's still time because I'm trying to keep you from the road because my better is better for you. I am the great I am. I come to give you life. And so many times in my own heart, I'm like, really, Jesus, are you that much better? Really, Jesus, is something else better out there? Is more money, is it really more problems or is it really better life? Man, a bigger house, a bigger car, better vacation, success, and my job in different ways, what people think about me. I wanna serve these things. They start to be the voices in my head. And Jesus is saying, David, those things will lead you to death. Die to all that stuff. Die to all that stuff. It doesn't give you the life that you long for. And then he continues on. And he says this in verse 24, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, those who go along with Jezebel, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. I do not lay anything else on to you. Only hold fast what you have until I come. Only hold fast in the midst of tribulation that you're experiencing in the midst of a world that is chaotic, in the midst of a world of so many different voices, just hold fast. Just be faithful to what you already have. And what he's saying there, what you already have is the gospel that's already been given to you. He's saying simply hold on to Christ. Hold on to Christ fully, hold fast to him and just be faithful. Just be faithful to continue to repent. Repentance is just acknowledging and agreeing with God with what is reality? I'm so slow to repent and slow to confess. And Jesus is like, David, I already know it. <laughs> You're not hiding anything from me. I already know it. Just agree. This is the way that you've been walking astray. See, repentance is always this gift to us. Repentance is this gift of God's grace for our lives every single day, that every single day we can just acknowledge our sin. We can confess in our hearts. We can turn from it. And then we can just hold fast to what we already have. Hold fast to the gospel, the grace that's already been given to you in Jesus. It's just every morning, waking up saying, man, God, where, where's my heart going to stray? I try to pray this prayer every single day where I just wake up and kind of mid-morning say, okay, God, where's my heart already going astray? Let me just confess that to you. Let me acknowledge it, but now also let me receive. See, some of us are really good at acknowledging the places that we go astray, but we never receive God's grace that he's been given to you. You're really good at maybe keeping track of, man, how am I doing? How's it going? I want to be the first part of this scripture and it becomes this checklist. And Jesus is saying, it's not, it's not just that. It's truth and it's grace. Acknowledge that. And now just hold fast. Every single day, just wake up in the morning and say, man, Jesus, where am I walking astray? Let me be quick to repent. Just always. The ways I'm walking astray from you. But now let me just hold fast. Every single day, God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've told me that, just remind your heart of that every single day. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let that wash over you. Hold fast to the gospel. Remember what Christ has done. 
That's the reality of all of us. If you believe in Jesus that are in this room, there's ways that each of us have strayed this week. Let's just be quick to confess those. Let's be quick to repent of those and walk into the grace that he has given us and then be quick to hold fast to what he's given you, the gospel, the truth of what Christ has done, that Christ has won, that he is sitting victorious on the throne, that he has won and that today he's winning. And remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because then the goal is just to be faithful in our lives. See, Jesus' discipline of us is like a father who disciplines their son. Hebrews 12, 6 tells us that. But it's an act of grace. It's an act of love. And he's saying, this is the way to walk. Hold fast. And now just be faithful. It's not about me being a good preacher. It's not about me being successful. It's not about money. It's not about achievement. It's not about control in my life. It's just surrendering those things to Jesus, dying to myself, entering deeper and deeper trust in him. And friends, this is the joy and the way to walk and the way to live with Christ. Think about just the freedom of no longer having to be in control of all the things that you can't control in your life. Think about the freedom of just trusting in Christ. His grace is enough for you that what he did on the cross is enough for you. Think about the freedom of just living, no longer for a job, no longer for a car or for a house, but just living freedom in freedom to be faithful to what God's called you to. That's why we pray that prayer, 938, every day, oh God, what are you inviting me into? It's just this prayer of saying, Jesus, I surrender. I'm not in control. You are the king. You sit on the throne. I'm just walking faithfulness to you. That's the freedom of the, of the Christian life. And it's not sexy, is it? There's no sign at the gym that says, just be faithful today. <laughs> right? But that's what Jesus is just calling us to, just to be faithful. Whether you're with your kids and they don't have pants on in downtown San Francisco, whether you're at soccer practice, whether you're at a coffee shop, wherever you are, whether you're at work, whether you're a doctor or a dentist or a DJ, just be faithful there. Because there's ways in your life, there's ways that God is working in your life this week that I will never be able to be a part of, that the person sitting next to you will never be able to be a part of. Relationships that you have this week, that God's put you in that place, and only you are going to be there. But you know who's also going to be there in all our lives is the Holy Spirit. He's going to be moving. He's going to be working in all those different ways, opening up doors, opening opportunities. So just, it looks like being faithful, just surrendered to him. Jesus, where are you moving? Jesus, where are you working? Let me die to myself today to be faithful to the ways that you are moving. This just like makes me so ecstatic thinking about. Finish grace and these followers of Jesus, these little mini Jesuses walking around our cities. Because as you go out, God's just going to open up those doors. I was talking with a woman this last week. Oh, um, she was talking to me a couple, a couple Sundays ago on the patio and she had just moved into this new community. And I was like, you know, I don't think we have any life groups there. Um, we're talking about ways to get connected. And I was like, I would just start with just living as an everyday missionary there. What would it look like just to invite a couple of, she had a believer friend with her. I was like, what would it be like just to invite this friend over to do like some coffee and do some tea? And what would it be like just to invite some other yet to believe friends in the neighborhood just to come and hang out and be together. And I texted her midweek and I was like, how's it going? She's like, no agenda, God just showed up. She's like, we're gonna need a van soon for how many people wanna come to VG with her. Okay, but it's not even about VG. It's just her being a presence of Jesus there in her neighborhood, in her community, 
where she lives, wherever you work, wherever you play, just showing up, being present with Jesus, they're just saying, being faithful. It's, it's, it's the harder life of surrendering, but it's the more joy life. And it's the easier life of not having to be in control, surrendering, saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you working? How do I just be faithful there? Impressive to get all the slides back on, Zach. Thank you. Because this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. J.R. Briggs said this. He says, church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. See that difference? See that difference? Are we church people? Are we kingdom people? Church is about the kingdom. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. Amen? Amen? That's what God is doing. That's where his spirit is moving. That's where he's working. Just live and walk as a part of the kingdom today. Wherever you go, wherever you're at, just living and walking in the kingdom of God. It just becomes life in the kingdom, life with Jesus, quick to repent of all the ways that I don't listen, all the ways that I'm not prepared, all the ways that I'm distracted by all these other things. And just saying, Jesus, you've done it all already. You've paid for it all already. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast to that. Now just be faithful. Just be faithful and say, God, where are you working today? Where are you moving today? Where, what's the email that I'm gonna get? What's the phone call? The, text? the beautiful thing about it is you no longer have to be right all the time in your life. You no longer have to be successful all the time in your life. You no longer have to be this perfect person because it's not about those things. It's just about being quick to repent and quick to show up and be faithful where God is calling you to. And so the email and the phone call, the text message, those are just opportunities to continue to walk in that faithfulness, to now just live and walk in the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, all the time living and walking in the kingdom. So he wraps up like this, verse 27. He says, those who repent, those who just continue to walk in faithfulness, he and he will rule them. This is Jesus speaking. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. Remember, Jesus is coming in strong in this passage. As when earthen pots are broken into pieces. That's this reference back to Psalm 2. Even as I myself have received authority from my father. Jesus is saying, I am the king. I rule and reign. I have conquered death. Now you come and just walk in faithfulness and rule and reign with me. There's this call back to Genesis here in the end of this verse, this reference to ruling and reigning in the garden. And Revelation is about what Christ has done and what he will continue to do that he will reestablish. Not even just a new garden, but a new city to live and rule and reign with Christ. And Jesus is saying, I share that authority with you because I've already done it on the cross because my spirit lives in you. Now live and walk as kingdom people and I will give him the morning star reference in Psalm 2 of the light of the world. Jesus says, you will inherit the light of the world. I will give them the morning star, living and walking continually just in the light that is Jesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I love this. We um, just are getting this going in our neighborhood in the last couple of, of weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about the opportunity for us together on mission just to be this presence of Jesus in the world. We're, we're starting a life group with anybody kind of in the Broadstone area neighborhood behind Home Depot and Folsom. That's where I live. A few other BGers there. And we're starting, we started just a couple weeks ago by just having pizza at the park at Kemp Park and just saying, okay, we're gonna, there's gonna be some people following Jesus there. Let's invite any yet to believe neighbors and friends just to come out, have pizza, build relationships because we're not trying to get those people just to church. 
We want them to come on Easter, but we want the church to get into their lives. It's been incredible, actually, just in the last like two weeks, how it's already changed some of the different relationships. We've yet to believe neighbors and friends that came and hung out at the park and that are on our street. There's trust there. There's relationship there. And that becomes this bridge for the gospel to travel over. But all you're doing, you're not doing anything complicated. Just being a kingdom follower who's inviting other people to come and live and walk in the kingdom with you. And that's the joy that's there. Because Jesus better truly is better. So what are just the take-homes for this? First, we have to believe. We have to trust that God's better truly is better for us. What, what are ways that Satan might be whispering to you that Jesus better isn't better for you this morning? What are ways that he might be lying to you in those places? Lying to you, saying that there's something else that is better than what Christ has for you. We have to repent. When we notice those places where we're not listening, where we're not prepared, just be quick to repent, to live in the joy and the grace of repentance every single day, the freedom of repentance. That yes, Jesus, these are the ways that I'm walking astray, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus to receive his grace, to walk in faithfulness, the joy of the good life in the ordinary life every single day, whether that's diapers or soccer or work or meetings or emails or phone calls, being with Jesus in those places, just being faithful, looking and watching the ways he's moving, and then just walking in the reality of the kingdom. The reality that Jesus, he has won. He's won on the cross. He is winning now, and he is going to continue to win for all of eternity. We're going to take communion this morning, which I think is a perfect place to land after a text like this. So I just want to encourage you to just take a moment Grab the elements if you don't have them with you. But just take a moment. I just want to carve out a little bit of space here for you to do a little bit of business with God after you just spent a little bit of time in this text. And just thinking about, man, are there ways I've been tempted to go astray today? Are there ways this last week that Satan's been whispering to me that I've maybe been giving up some room in my heart, in my life, saying something else can sit on the throne of my heart? saying something else can be in that space too. And Jesus is coming back and he's saying, Church of Thyatira, Church of Vintage Grace, collectively, individually, I want to be the only one who sits on the throne of your heart. I want you to not tolerate any idolatry in your life. Any place that you're tempted to give allegiance to something besides Christ. Just think about that right now. Do a little bit of business with God. Where are those places? Just acknowledge that to God. Say, man, God, these are the places, these are the ways that I'm tempted to compromise. I just want to confess that. Enter into the gift of repentance. And as you do that, just receive the, the gift of God's grace for you, the gift of what he's done on the cross. Receive that over you today. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That nothing can separate you from God's love for you. That today Jesus stands as an advocate on your behalf before God the Father. That he takes your sin, he throws it as far as the east is from the west. That anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. He's making you new. Live in that reality. Just receive that. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and the bread. He took the bread, he broke it, 
He said that this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat the bread together. His body broken for us. And he also, he took the cup. He took the blood, which meant that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that he's taking your sins. He's thrown them as far as the east is from the west. He washes you anew today. He cleanses you. He said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done on the cross. That our sin has been paid for, that you have lived the life that we could not live, Jesus. You've died the death that we could not die ourselves, God, and took the, our place. And that, Jesus, you rose from the dead. That you rule, that you reign, that you are victorious, that you are the king. And so we just worship you for that, Jesus. May we live and walk in that reality every moment of our lives and the victory of what you have done on the cross. Living and walking in the reality that you are the king today. So we don't have to be in control. We can just be faithful to what you are calling us. May we do that. May we walk in that every single moment of our lives. We love you. We pray this song in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our Revelation series. As you go this week, be comforted by the knowledge that God is in control and He desires nothing more than for you to find full and complete joy in Him. See you next week.